Let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP, and you are listening to Nolan Matters. We're going to be getting started in just one second, as always. Thank you so much uh, to uh, Lynn Jury for her amazing show. Uh, as she always uh, checks in uh, here uh, at uh, uh, WHIV and her Nolan Americana show, uh, we are going to see you later. We're going to be getting started uh, with uh, Health as a Human Right uh, in just one quick moment before we do. Uh, let me remind you all that uh, WHIV has been broadcasting for five years. Can you believe we've been broadcasting for five years? Five years, AJ. What do you think about that? It's amazing. That's huh? crazy. <laughs> so we're able to honor independent voices like yours uh, by donations from people like yourself. So we have T-shirts, T-shirt, T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing so well. <laughs> we have T-shirts, hoodies, white fanny packs. Uh, and more, uh, so simply go to whivfm.org, click store, that's whivfm.org. Thank you all so much. We are not a radio station with a mission. We are a mission with a radio station, and that is to end all wars. No matter starts right now. Broadcasting around the world at whivfm.org. This is Health is a Human Right radio show. Protecting people like yourself I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth Tra-la-la-la A public service announcement with guitar. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LP FM in New Orleans. And my name is Mark Yandere with me, as is always the second, I was going to say second Tuesday again, the second Monday of every month, uh, the amazing and great AJ Strong, Hello. who is our co-host uh, for the show. AJ, where can people find you? Mm, you mean like on social media? You know, the you know, this is your time to plug. I'll plug oh, you at the top okay. at the bottom of every hour. Sure, sure. Um I mean you can I mean they can find you right here at WHIV yeah. Studios if they want. You can follow me on social media. I'm not very active on there though. I'm kind of a grandpa when it comes to All right, well how about promo. some of your professional you know promo some you of your professional do? stuff? You yes. can follow my partner yes. in business and in life, yes. Bella Blue at Bella Blue Nola. That's where you're going to find all the Because that's where you do all the uh, burlesque yeah. productions. Mm-hmm. I work do. behind the scenes. I'm terrible right. at um, right. social media things. And when you say your partner, let's just be frank about that. That would be your better half. 
Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> totally true. Um, Definitely like, my better looking yeah, half. No, <laughs> for sure, dude. <laughs> Although you, you've been looking good, man. You, I Thanks. like the little uh, the I'm little animated um, emoji or whatever emoji icon. I don't know what, the, what do they call the thing that you put yourself on the phone. You just you. Oh, it's, little, now it's it's called your memoji. Your memo. Okay, thank you mm. for helping Grandpa Dairy over mm-hmm. here. Uh, so it's called a memoji. So yes, the one that you made was very. Was, it, it's but accurate. It, ha- it had you with glasses. Yeah, I wore contact sticks. My glasses were bothering me. Aha! I usually see the other way around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So usually we have uh, uh, AJ and I usually uh, have guests on on this second Monday of every month uh, for Nola Matters Health as a Human Right. We usually talk about things revolving uh, around the LGBT community uh, and gender uh, and sexual identity mm-hmm. and stuff. Uh, we have no guests, but we have three topics of conversation that, that AJ and I decided we were going to talk about. Before we do that, did you want to plug something? I do. We have a new show that's happening once we, a and, month. And your better half? Me and my better half, and uh, a couple of people that we partnered up with, um, Austin Davenport and Kristen Johnson, Christine Johnson. Um, so basically, it's for the queers of New Orleans. Yes. It's like an all-encompassing, it's not like a gay party or just specifically a lesbian party. It's like anyone who identifies as queer under the queer umbrella is welcome to come. Straight people can come too. I think I was going to ask yeah. our queer friendly it's, people. Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's just, it's meant to be like all in queer space. Yeah. Right. But basically, you know, we're doing a show element because that's what we do best. There's a little burlesque and drag show that happens. And then a uh, queer dance party to ensue afterwards. It's at the always lounge the third Thursday of every month. Got it. All so right. it's coming up. Got it. Next week. Got um, it. Okay. In fact, you know, this it's is perfect. Queerly Beloved. Que- <laughs> <laughs> I was going to ask what it was called. I love it. Queerly Beloved. Yeah. Um, and would you, you know, every, you know, since we're here on the second Tuesday of. Oh, there it is again. The second Monday. What is happening I don't on know why. For, I don't have no idea. There's nothing. I'm in clinic all day. Do we then need to I move? usually go play. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, I love our queerly beloved second Monday yeah. of every month. Queerly beloved at the always lounge. It's, we did our first one in January and it was super fun. Was it? Yeah. That we had probably me. about 120 people turn out. Right. Um, and the dance party was great. We're doing Who a DJs? rotating cast. Well, last month it was Siren, uh-huh. and this month it's I, going to be DJ Nice Rack. Like I asked because, like somehow yeah. I thought, like maybe sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's going to be Nice Rack this month. Nice and Rack. And she's DJ. a really good DJ. Very fun, eclectic mixes. And, awesome. Um, Is there yeah. a place they can get more information about that? Yeah, they can go on the Instagram. Right. Queerly beloved Nola. And also, we have a Facebook page. Got it. All right. Awesome, awesome, awesome. So uh, today, the three topics we're going to do is quickly, uh, we're going to kind of quickly talk about the disastrous week of politics in American politics, which was last week. Uh, No, let's let's talk about queer dance parties. Uh, which was really just a horrific week of uh, of American democracy. Horrifying. Ah, um, oh, look at that. Uh, Kelly Hi. Burke, are you uh, coming in to join us? Or? Oh, you're giving me a hug. Thank you. And then you're <laughs> welcome to come hang out and, uh, uh, and join us. 
All right. Uh, Kelly Hi. Burke. Somebody, Ke- Kelly Burke is the treasurer of WHIV. She's a board member, an executive board member, uh, and somebody who rarely, if ever, comes onto the radio because she, like you, AJ, likes to be in the background yeah, totally. and leaves the foreground for people like myself. So <laughs> this is a very unusual treat for us. So be prepared to laugh because <laughs> you're going to get that. <laughs> You're going to get that. She probably heard there was no guest. She went, <laughs> uh, So we're going to talk about the uh, disastrous week of American democracy uh, for last week. Um, we are going to then talk about coronavirus, mm-hmm. which is also uh, a yeah, disaster. Uh, and then uh, and then it would have been the third disaster, mm-hmm. uh, which we were going to talk a bit about some of AJ's medical uh, issues that AJ is very open with and, and upfront with. But just as we were going on air, AJ gave me a little, a little, uh, a little bit of good news. And a large, mm-hmm. a large part of this is I don't want to speak on your behalf, AJ, but AJ is a transgender male and. Um, uh, is kind of managing some of the issues with being a transgender male and wanted to come on air to talk a bit about some of uh, AJ's medical issues, which um, quite new frankly, developments. new developments, which I think is really quite brave and, mm-hmm. and pretty amazing f- of you to do oh, because there's no other way people are going to understand, you know, people sure. are going to still ask stupid questions like what's right. in your pants well, I and really stuff like that. I really appreciate the platform. Yes. So thank you for that. So real quickly, the week uh, <laughs> that was last week, um, yeah, I see the week. I see the week being divided into kind of three different parts. So, of course, there was the Iowa caucuses, which or four, four different things happened. Something happened on Monday, Tuesday, um, Wednesday, and Friday. So on Monday were the disastrous Iowa caucuses. We'll talk about that in a second. On Tuesday was the horrific State of the Union. On Wednesday was the equally worse. Uh, acquittal of a president who can now do anything that he wants moving forward. And then on Friday, uh, the president just fired two of his people that, that spoke on, 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 uh, on the request. They followed the law. They did exactly what they were Mm -hmm. supposed to do. They were subpoenaed to go to Congress to make a statement against what they knew against the president and openly retaliated and not, not a word, not a peep, not like, you know, it had it been the other way around, it had it been a Democratic president who went and fired people who uh, who basically, uh, you know, like the Republicans and Fox News all day today would have been like, these people are American heroes and they stood up against the president and the president mm-hmm. fired him the other way around. And it all comes down to right, white, white, right wing privilege is mm-hmm. what it comes down to or just right wing privilege. So anyway, thoughts just like and we, total corruption. It's. Corruption from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So, um, any before we dig into any of that, any thoughts just kind of on the on the surface or any high level? I think I just I kind of feel like I knew it was going to turn out this way, and yeah. I'm still somehow I'm still shocked. Yeah, you kind of almost don't want to believe this is the country. Yeah, you know we grew up in. You know, growing up, America number one, and all this stuff. You know, I, I always said, and people get angry with me when I say this, but uh, you know, because it is a dangerous precedent. But I always said that you know the the thing about if if Trump wins and when Trump won, 
it was going to be very clear that the veneer of American exceptionalism would be ripped off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you would see underneath is just a festering wound mm-hmm. of what really the American democracy and capitalism what ca- and what capitalism has ultimately led to mm-hmm. uh, uh, as well. So, um, you know, the, the Iowa caucuses, which were a week ago, I could not wait to get home and I could not wait to start because it looked like that Bernie Sanders, who was my uh, designated um, the person that I've I have uh, chose to endorse for this uh, election cycle. Um, I it looked like he was going to win, and and as it looked more and more like he was going to win, of course the whole thing collapsed in on of itself. Mm-hmm. And does it seem like perhaps? There was something. I mean, first of all, they created a new app. Did you hear about this? So there was an entity called Acronym. And Acronym was started by this uh, uh, 33-year-old Washington, D.C. operative. Her husband is is an advisor, high-level advisor, on uh, Mayor Pete Buttigieg's campaign. Mm -hmm. So, like... Think about that. So this is, and and the people for whom this company she started called Acronym, there are people who there who um who work for her or also uh, worked on Obama's and uh, Hillary Clinton's both campaign and Obama's administration. Mm-hmm. And so you've got these insiders that work for this uh, entity called Acronym. She's very young. She's thirty three. That's great. She started this organization. It's this whatever. It's 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 meant to do political consulting. They acquired another company, and that company was called Shadow. Like if that's not right, you know, if that's not <laughs> right, if that's not like you know, really, right. we're looking for transparency. Telling. Let's name our our tech company Shadow, right? right. Um, and then so the the idea, nobody knew this was happening. Not even the people. It wasn't until that day or the day before. People, the um, do you know how the caucuses work? It's actually really kind of interesting. I don't know. Do, do you know how the caucuses work, Kelly? No. No. Okay. So here's what happens with the caucuses. So you actually don't go and vote. You actually go. You go to like a gym. Like you're assigned. You know, based on your address. So uh, AJ, you live in the ninth ward. There may be like the Nord Sea. You know, that's nearest to you, maybe having a caucus. And they're going to, mm-hmm. when you walk in, you're supposed to be there from 6 to 8 p.m., mm-hmm. let's mm-hmm. say, right? Or 4 to 6, whatever. So, first of all, it completely uh, makes unavailable for people who are working class, people who are unable to take off work, okay? Mm-hmm. Or people who need childcare issues or people who have potential transportation, whatever. Let's just, right. okay. So. It's yeah. It's a couple hours of voting. What happens? You walk into a room, and each of the candidates will be like either in a corner or they'll have a room designated to them, okay, uh, or a section of the room designated to them. And then you go. So, for example, let's say I was, you know, I I live in the CBD. So there's a school where we, they do majority of the voting. We would walk in. I would walk into the section that's designated for Bernie Sanders, and then they would allow you to be there and you mingle or whatever. And that at a certain time, at like six. 6.30, let's say, if we do the 6 to 8 p.m. Uh, scenario, you're supposed to say, okay, uh, now the person who's organizing that particular caucus then goes around, and you're supposed to meet a certain threshold. So if a candidate, let's say Amy Klobuchar or, uh, or uh, uh, Mike Bloomberg or Tom Steyer or you know some of these lower-level candidates – don't meet a certain threshold of people that are in a room that are supporting them, then what happens is that they close down that candidate and then they have a second candidate that they go and they caucus with. Mm-hmm. So then, so what happens then is that I would say, oh, look, at there's somebody in Tom Steyer's corner. Maybe I should go over there and talk to him about or her about 
why I support Bernie Sanders. And then the person who supports Buttigieg would do the same thing. And the person that supports uh, uh, Elizabeth Warren. So it's a really kind of community you know, way of doing things. It's very quaint and it was probably really good in like 1857. Sure. Okay. Yeah. It probably worked really, really well in those days. Okay. Yeah. So what happens at- when there were like maybe 25 people in the yes. room? Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. And maybe 85 people in the state of Iowa, yeah. you know, and it was easy <laughs> and it was easy to count. Right. So then what happens is that then the person who's the lead organizer, and I forget what they call him. I think they call him like the captain or the principal or whoever is the primary person. Then then goes and counts the number of people in each corner and they write it down on a piece of paper and then they call somebody at the central office and they report what that number is. It's very, very simple. It's very transparent. And then there's a paper trail. This time what they decided to do was they decided to use an app. The shadow app. That was the created. Transparent that was created, shadow app. That was created by Shadow. Okay. Yeah. And and I don't know if you saw any of the articles that came out last week. Like real like tech teams that do apps and stuff looked at it. They said it was completely like total beginner. Like the whole mm-hmm. app was just coded by it was not professional. And for a national election, the first elections for primaries right it was a complete amateur hour Mm -hmm. and the whole thing just completely collapsed in on itself and then there was all these inaccuracies and blah 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 and it and then probably the story of the night was that pete Buttigieg came out declared himself the winner then spent a couple days um kind of having to defend why he called himself the winner but in the end it looks like he won by like a point one percentage point over Bernie Sanders. And so there's still a lot of problems that are happening with that. According to the app, that was yes. a complete disaster. I think that they're also trying to... So right now, none of the major papers... So the Associated Press is who everybody turns to to look for these sorts of things. The Associated Press is refusing to call a winner uh, until I was able to show that they've actually truly um, uh, have been able to uh, uh, determine without any problems, without any suspicions whatsoever, that the um, that, uh, that that Buttigieg or whoever is the winner is the winner. Because whenever they look, they're still finding inconsistencies. Mm-hmm. So now the new thinking is, well, you know what? Nobody's ever really looked this deeply into Iowa's caucuses. Maybe it's not that there's inconsistencies this election. What if there's always been inconsistencies as a result of this? Mm -hmm. Which really makes you go, oi, the American electoral system is horrific. And if we saw this happening in like El Salvador, we'd be like... Those guys are, oh, yeah, we'd you know. be, yeah, we'd be judging them hard. <laughs> Big yeah. time, right? Yeah. So if you're tuned in, you're listening to 22.3 WHIV. This is Nolan Matters. Uh, my name is Mark Yandere. With me today is co-host uh, AJ Strong. And visiting Hi. us today, someone who's sitting very far away from the microphone, <laughs> even, <laughs> uh, is uh, a board member and, uh, and treasurer of WHIV, uh, Kelly Burke, who just popped in. Uh, <laughs> um, so then just real quickly, just because I don't want to, did you have something? Yeah. So what happened? So now the reason why the Iowa caucuses are so important is because it like leads the way into New Hampshire. Tomorrow is the New Hampshire primary. And so um, usually uh, the person who wins Iowa um, gets this little gets a bump, basically. And uh, and they get a lot of press 
so then the people in New Hampshire are reading all this press, uh, and then they kind of then they you know so that usually moves the needle. And then if you win Iowa and New Hampshire, then coming on the heels of that starts to come Super Tuesday, which is like five or seven states. You know these so-called Super Tuesdays mm-hmm. in these huge states with lots and lots of delegates. Right then now, um, so the idea is if you can win Iowa and New Hampshire, then possibly you can start to win some of these other states, uh, and you win the Super Tuesday states, and then you and then you lock it in. Uh, uh, you lock it in your your primary uh, nomination, and so it was a complete and utter disaster. So Iowa. What, what are they? How do they know then? So moving into New Hampshire, then these are regular elections in New Hampshire, like regular ballot. I mean, the, yeah, but they haven't actually officially declared the winner. There's still no Iowa. no official. It's well, I the Iowa DNC, uh, a Democratic National, well, uh, and DNC, um, they are. Uh, claiming that it's Buttigieg with a very, very narrow win over Sanders uh, and then Warren. And then the big news of the night, too, was, of course, how poor Biden did. But, I mean, that's not big news to us. No. You know, like, I mean, the dude just, you know, he's just out of touch and he should not mm-hmm. be running. But it was big news to the bubble that is in D.C. People who feel like, well, of course it's going to be Biden because Biden's just going to keep things the way they are. And all the people at the cocktail circuit parties that we go to all say that Biden is the right choice. People like you and I working class people are like, no, Biden's terrible. Biden is, is horrible. Everything that he says is horrible. All the stories he tells are horrible. Yeah. And the touchy-feely, <laughs> you know, did you see the SNL thing this week? And he's like, I, you know me, I'm going to come up from behind <laughs> in a creepy way. Maybe even give a kiss on your neck. <laughs> right. So, so wrong for America for today, right? So then the next day, I, I, I couldn't even watch it. Um, was the uh, was the State of the Union? I don't. Did you watch it or? I repeatedly watched the end of it. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. I so I was so I was able to kind of catch the last two minutes, mm-hmm. and and Liana was on the sofa, and I st- I saw Nancy Pelosi stand up, mm-hmm. and she held the speech in her hand. I saw her rip it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, Liana, look! And then she looks up, and you could just see her ripping it. She goes, "What's that?" I'm like. I think she's ripping up the speech, (laughs) (laughs) the state of the union. And I was like, yeah, you go. (laughs) Yeah. When, whenever, um, Trump is speaking, I have like this visceral reaction. I can't listen to it anymore. I tried I tried to listen, um, when he was speaking at the white house the day after his, the acquittal. And I got, Oh, that, that, S show. Oh my God. I got about maybe three minutes in and I've already felt just rage, absolute rage. And I had to just turn it off. No, you, you know, you're right. AJ, I didn't actually think about it. You're right. Thursday was another horrific day because first of all, we still have this thing called the prayer breakfast. Yes. Which is ridiculous. That is a, that, that is attended by both Democrats and Republicans. It is a horrific organization. There's a great Netflix documentary. Um, these are like seven one hour shorts, um, called The Family. And it's mm-hmm. all about, um, it's all about this Christian shadow organization, yeah. uh, that are called The Family in DC. And it's basically, it 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 shows how these um uh these politicians both again on democratic and also uh republican side are deeply i'm going to put air quotes christian or fundamental christians and by that i mean that these are people who really believe that the rich should remain rich the poor should remain poor and that the lgbtq 
women and minorities and communities of color should not have the same rights as them. That's essentially mm. what the family is. It's really, it's horrific. And the fact that every president has attended. And so what AJ's talking about is that on Thursday, the president went in to uh, the uh, prayer, national prayer breakfast and then, and then gloated there. You know, had that picture of him with the Washington Post article that said acquitted, and then a couple hours later spoke at the White House, and again, it was just, it well, just, it was just blithering lies and, and yeah, self and he's very much playing, very much playing the victim. You know, saying things like nobody should ever have right. to endure what I went through, and you know, I was listening to this sort of like pre-show thing on NPR before um, he they tuned into his speech at the white house and they were saying how you know when clinton was impeached um the next day when he spoke one of the one of the first things he did was apologize to the american people for putting them through that process um and then they asked you know do do we expect to hear an apology from trump today and the person was like no right it would have been like (laughs) laugh with me yeah (laughs) no not at all. Right. Because authoritarians don't do that. You know, what is there to apologize for? Right. He's, according to him, he's done nothing wrong. He had a perf- so. perfect phone call. Yeah, exactly. It was a, it was a perfect phone call. It's um, just like the Twilight Zone. Right. So the, or the upside down world, right? Yeah. So the, the upside uh, down. Yeah. <laughs> so the quote unquote highlight, again, in huge air quotes, of the night of um, the uh, State of the Union was uh, giving uh, Rush Limbaugh. Oh, what is this world? What is life? Right. Hold on. So let's discuss. So let's discuss. So earlier, earlier in the, now you don't think this was timed intentionally earlier in the afternoon, right? Think about what happens earlier in the afternoon. Rush Limbaugh comes out with a, uh, a press release that he has a stage four lung cancer, right? Mm -hmm. And they were setting the stage. So that, you know, because, listen, no matter what an animal uh, and horrific human being uh, and slime of, you know, like if you ever like go in the back of like, let's say like a Walgreens and they've got like their, their, they've got their like uh, trash bin that's out there. Maybe it's been out there for a long time. And underneath that trash bin, there's this like green slime that's really st- Ganking, stinky, and it's just really horrific, yeah. very, very horrific slime, yeah. right? Yeah, um, I, I, I think that slime is better than Rush Limbaugh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. just to kind of, I have to agree. Yeah, <laughs> right. That that slime there, that I'm like, oh man, it's terrible. Still better than the racist, misogynistic, horrific person that is Rush Limbaugh. But all of a sudden now. He has a lung cancer diagnosis. Mm. Okay, well, that's terrible. I mean, of course, as the compassionate, I'm a progressive, so by definition, I'm empathetic and and compassionate. That's what one of the major divisions between a a conservative and a a progressive. Uh, And the doctor in me is like, oh, that's terrible, man. It's a a horrific disease, and he's going to really go through a lot of suffering, you know, to stay alive and stuff like that. But the flip side of me is like, that still doesn't take away from the fact that he's a horrific human being. Yeah. Right. I mean, do you remember hurt a when lot of like people? Yeah. Who, Unapologetically. Who, right. And he's hurt this country. Yeah. I mean, he has done a lot of harm to bringing this country into what potentially could be this, you know, dictatorial, authoritarian or fascist potential fascist government that we're going into because of his 
work that he has done over the course of, of several decades, right? Um, so then, of course, that night he appears, uh, and then everyone ha- hears the news. They know, so he gets a particular you know round of applause because he uh, has this lung cancer diagnosis. And then in the in the middle, and I think this is the first time this has ever happened that he gets this m- this uh, uh, medal of honor, which mm-hmm. uh, was is it the Kennedy. Is it the Kennedy Center medal or? What did he, he get? He got he, he, something very presidential. Yeah, like the Presidential Medal yeah. of Honor. It's the highest. It's the highest award that a civilian. Yes. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think Steve Gleason is scheduled to get one as well, or may have just recently got one uh, as well. But I, I, I'm almost positive. Yeah, can I check check that out? I just I want to Google um, right. It's the past. Pre- presidential honors just well, to show you what kind of well pre- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah oh yeah no 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 i, I think oh yeah. no 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 no. Yeah, you please, will be shocked yeah the people who have been there the please names do. the please names Google that are there yeah. like i know i know bob dylan got one mm-hmm. right see th- there you go absolutely um and that's a great example uh of that um and so that was of course horrific and then of course was there any surprise on wednesday that wait he wait would- no hold on you have to back up because there were some other tricks he pulled out of his, yeah, his hat as well. What like, like what? Like, um, didn't he give um, a scholarship to? Oh right, yeah. I, so so I only saw the beginning, uh, the first couple minutes, and then I saw the end, and then I was able to catch highlights during the week. Uh, yeah, but I, I think mean, yeah, he gave it, one scholarship. Yeah, to like a like a young black girl. Right. So let's just be so transparent. Right. You know. Right. Obvious. Like what. Right. What and then also, um, I'm using air quotes here. Surprised um, a woman and her child with um, the the husband, like the woman's husband, was brought back from the oh, military. And, so, but like, like she total... didn't know that. Like you, you right. were at the State of Union address with your child. Yeah, no, no it was. That was it was. Happen. Yeah, Even no, they, so, they do just, that. They do yeah. that for for optics, right? It's they, just so to me. It just seems so transparent and so phony. It's it's such but naked. People eat it up. They eat it up, absolutely. And it's just again, it really speaks to the kind of what America. Like it just speaks to the American kind of psyche or, or yeah. what have you. You know that they would so easily. You this, recognize that they're eating this up very I, specific American psyche, which is a Trump supporting American yes, psyche, yes, yes, and yes. is so gullible and will literally fall for any yes. trick that. Yeah, yeah, that yeah absolutely. Right now, and his uh, approval ratings are the highest they've ever been, in the kind of somewhere in the forty plus something, which is the highest that it's ever been. Again, which. Also, just you know, will reinforce his his bad behavior mm-hmm. uh, as well. If you're tuning in, you are listening to Noel Matters. This is Health is a Human Right, one two point three WHIV. I am your uh, co-host, Mark Calendary. With me is my co-host, AJ Strong, Hi. and joining us, uh, uh, kind of remaining somewhat silently silent and uh, and awkwardly awkward is the uh, great <laughs> is the great Kelly Burke. So here you go. Moral pass, support. Talking to the mic, Kelly. Past honorees include. Steven Spielberg, Muhammad Ali, Angela Merkel, Mother Teresa, Rosa Parks. I was going to say, I think Rosa Parks, yeah. And Martin Luther King, I I think there's a famous picture of him. And Rush Limbaugh. It's just... (laughs) Yeah. It's so unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, Just yeah. Making a mockery. Of I the was, whole thing. I was, uh, I was on a, con- on I was fire. on a conference call on Friday. 
uh, with several colleagues and colleagues of their coll- of those colleagues. And somehow, as the meeting was wrapping up, somebody was like, so, uh, hey, uh, Mikey, uh, what do you think about that presidential uh, honor, uh, uh, the presidential award? And it turns out that this guy's godmother got got the uh, presidential uh, award as well. And, he, you know, and so this, whoever it was asked him knew that. And he's like, yeah, my godmother took it and threw it into the lake. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that didn't happen, but yeah. you probably after uh, okay. this neo-con, well. racist, misogynistic, mm-hmm. uh, trans and homophobic uh, mm-hmm. individual uh, uh, wins this uh, horrific award. Do you know what the basis was for it? Is he a journalist? Is he classified no, as a no, journalist? No, he's an opinion. No, it's just that... This guy just carries Trump's water. That's all. And when you carry Trump's water, yeah. you know, like Sean Hannity, you know, <laughs> right. which is the opposite of sanity. <laughs> um, that's not my joke. I wish it was. I wish I could claim. <laughs> I've always been waiting to use it. And that was the perfect place to use it. Uh, these are the guys that, that carry uh, Trump's water. Um, let's see. Uh, Wednesday, uh, the acquittal. That was like kind of a, a Kavanaugh. Like I knew Kavanaugh yeah. was going to make the yeah. was going to get on mm-hmm. the bench, mm-hmm. and it came down to Susan Collins, uh, a, a senator from uh, from Maine. I think I actually voted for her in her first election when I was still living in Maine. When you know the D and the R after name didn't really quite, you know, you were really people were still speaking from their hearts. I think her. I think she first came on office in ninety four or ninety six. I was living in Maine, and I remember thinking it was pretty cool that we had two female senators in the state of Maine. Uh, in the mid '90s, uh, when I was when I was living in Maine, uh, but I, you know, now they're doing everything they can to root her out, um, and uh, I, I still thought it was somewhat of a brave move for Mitt Romney to vote to acquit. He's the first uh, senator to ever, uh, 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 I'm sorry, to convict. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, he's the first senator that uh, that's ever done that in the history of the United States to vote uh, against uh, the president and his party. Uh, and he's going to certainly get a lot of backlash for it uh, as well. Thursday, of course, was the um, was what happened uh, with the uh, White House uh, uh, press conference on the White House lawn, and then of course uh, the National Prayer Conference, uh, and then on Friday. Uh, Lieutenant Major uh, um, Vinland, and then Sunlin, who's a very rich uh, hotelier businessman who donated a million dollars to President Trump's uh, election uh, or to his, um, what is it called when you win and they get the party, the... the, the the big party they do on in January after um you when you you get inaugural mm, inaugural yeah, uh, inauguration. inauguration they uh, he donated a million dollars that and then he became the UN ambassador um and then of course that uh, that came to an end on Friday as mm-hmm. well just because they're doing their job and then nothing but crickets over the weekend no outrage because the Democrats are just paid losers they're paid to be the losers that they are. Uh, and uh, and that was our week in uh, in politics last week. Well, I will say this: there was a there was a host on Fox News, and I don't know her name, but she did say that uh, on her show that uh, I read an article on this last week that she was sort of like uh, threatening Mitt Romney and the people of Utah saying if you're a small business and if you need your regulations like looked over if you think you're unfairly unburdened or burdened and uh, or like you know just a concerned citizen 
you have no power now. Your senator has no power. Thus, you have no power because this happened. Mm. And that is completely completely inappropriate yeah. for this democracy that's fear, task, fear tactics and it's unfortunate that um that she has a show yes and yeah. a, a voice. <laughs> yes. I, hear, I hear you on that <laughs> so yes, if you're yes, if you yes. are listening mm-hmm. from utah you still have a voice yes <laughs> Um, and just real quickly, uh, you're you're the you're the closest thing that we have to a business person in this yeah, room. Right. Although he uh, although he's a small business owner. Right. Just real quickly, are the regulations that are placed are they like? Would you say that they're fair regulations, or are they regulations that are there in place? Uh, I mean, you be working in a bank. I mean, just real quickly, just. Well, so the thing here's the thing. Um, obviously, all the regulations have a purpose, and they got there for a reason, you know. And for you know our industry, I will say there you know, was a period of time not too long ago where things got out of control, and so because there were no regulations. Well, because because deregulation. You know, you you have to look you know after the consumer, and then you have to. You know, manager risk. And so what happened was obviously the financial collapse. Um, but when you try to apply a mass regulation to banks of all sizes, yes, we are unfairly burdened because because we do uh, have to balloon our, our costs in order to keep up with all the, the compliance and the regulations. And so we, and when, you know, a community bank like, I will say us, uh, we were obviously, you know, uh, doing sound business practices, you know, managing the risk well, you know. Um, But a lot of banks don't do that. So what happened was they get saddled with a lot of regulation, and so they have to do, like, certain stress tests now, lots lots more compliance, you know, lots more oversight, which I can't say is not fair given what happened. Sure, given their practices, right? (laughs) Right. Right? It's it's sort of like... (laughs) It's, it's like a child, excuse me, it's like a, a child who engages in bad behavior, then gets p- punished, and then complains about their punishment yeah. rather than actually talks yeah. about whatever. And it's not, it's not actually punish. I mean, to punish them would be like you're going out of business. You know, don't open your right, doors anymore. Right, right. They're just saying yeah, it's not a we need analogy. you to like, you know, to, right. to take some extra precaution. Yeah, got it. All right, real quickly mm-hmm. uh, before we uh, uh, bring AJ on to the mic, let's just say real quickly uh, as we shift gears and talk about coronavirus. I'm looking at the latest number of cases, 40,653 cases worldwide with uh, 910 deaths, 3,665 that are recovered. So that's great news. Um, we are seeing a uh, – and let me just kind of give you some quick thoughts on that um, – with Japan also having carrying the biggest burden of cases outside of, of Wuhan, uh, Hong Kong following that with 12 cases, and the U.S. having, uh, let's see, where is the U.S. on this list? 24. No, 12 cases in the U.S. Um, so, I'm sorry, Japan has 161 cases, Singapore has 45, Hong Kong has 38, Thailand has 32, South Korea has 27, uh, Taiwan 18. So, you still... Dealing with countries that are surrounding, that are surrounding Asia, and just kind of real quickly, there was hope uh, over the over the weekend that maybe that there was a downturn uh, for the virus, uh, and that perhaps there was going to be a little bit of improvement. Uh, and but what what we found um, as we were from Friday going into the weekend, there looked like it was starting to level off a little bit. 
But over the weekend, the uh, number of cases increased, as well as the number of cases that were on that that uh, cruise ship, uh, as well have have also increased. So you know, long story short, uh, this virus is real. Um, it it is infectious. It has what's called an R naught of about four. An R naught essentially means the number of cases that one person transmits to another person. So for example, if you have measles, the R naught is 18. One person can give 18 people measles. If you have HIV, the R naught is two. So one person can give usually two other people HIV. If you have Ebola, usually that R naught is four. That means one person will typically infect four people. Um, the R naught for the, um, uh, this coronavirus, this so-called Wuhan novel coronavirus 2019 has an R naught of four. Um, now the two big things that came out of the end of last week was it looks like the initial cases that uh, that were spiking initially came from the hospitals. So that's referred to as a nosocomial infection. In other words, that like most infectious diseases, when people get sick, where do they go? They go to a hospital. Uh, hospitals are typically not prepared for that level, especially when they're dealing with an unknown organism. And oftentimes hospitals are very classically in any sort of epidemic, uh, infectious epidemic, usually they're unprepared and they are usually the ones that are actually transmitting um, the virus. So I think that was kind of the big thing that came out of that. And then number two, um, that this virus does kill. Uh, and and uh, one of the really interesting articles that came out late last week was that it looks like that if you are a smoker, um, you... <laughs> I, I'm sorry, it has nothing to do with you, Kelly. I, I swear to God. I was like, oh, it wasn't, man. It wasn't until you it's laughed. It's gravity no, thing no, 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 again. No, 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 Kelly, it wasn't until you laughed. <laughs> if you were a smoker, what they are finding is that the, you are producing a higher level of a protein called ACE2, and it turns out that that is what the uh, virus is attaching to in the lung cells. Is they're attaching to this protein called ACE2. So the more of these proteins that you have in your cell, so smokers tend to have more of this protein called ACE2, um, and then uh, as a result of that, the virus is able to cause more of an infectious process because there's more of those proteins for it to oh, wow. latch onto. So those are kind of the two big things. Um, before we wrap up, uh, let me just say, get a flu shot, wash your hands. Get a flu shot, wash your hands. Get a flu shot, wash your hands. Did you get a flu shot? I did. And I know you did. And I just washed my hands before we started the show. Yay. So there's a fist bump for that, but <laughs> not going to do a I high five. I hope my sister's listening because um, this might be the thing that actually gets her to quit smoking finally. Aha. Uh-huh. I, I have right. tried everything. <laughs> maybe maybe Kelly will. Uh, I've literally <laughs> bribed her. Really? And it, it doesn't work. But, but maybe now. Got it. Maybe this is it. I hope so. Uh, any thoughts of what is like any thoughts about coronavirus or Wuhan or anything? Well, or? I was first of all, I'm surprised that you are here and not like in the midst oh, of it I, all. I wish I've been banned from my <laughs> wife from being. I, yeah, I kind of figured. I kind of figured. <laughs> I wish I was over there. Man. Yeah. And the WHO were just allowed to go over there. Yeah. And it's being run by the team um, that ran the Ebola mm-hmm. team. So they're bringing together some of the Ebola folks. So that would have been, that was my boss that's running the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the coronavirus uh, thing right now. So, so how did it start? How did what start? The coronavirus. It started from, like, uh, real quickly, because I want to give uh, yeah. uh, AJ. So essentially, first of all, there's a couple podcasts. So you go to the WHIV Facebook page. I explained oh, it all I in detail. I one last week. Yes. Did you? All right. Yeah. So, the bat. The bat. So essentially, the SARS and MERS 
uh, and this new coronavirus all start in bats, and then there's intermediates uh, in the form of an intermediate host, and then in this case, it, these occur in these so-called wet markets, which is where animals are bought live or they're freshly um, they're freshly butchered, uh, and then the meat's taken home freshly butchered. Um, and there's lots of an opportunity for, for humans to come in contact with viruses, mm. essentially. So, so what was the intermediary? We don't know what the intermediary is for uh, the coronavirus. We know what the intermediary is for SARS, which is the civet cat. Um, and, then, and then interestingly enough, the civet cat is usually eaten in China around the Chinese New Year's or around this time in the winter. Do you know why? It's for good luck to ward off respiratory illnesses. And it, it was the thing that actually caught SARS. Isn't that an ironic? <laughs> it's, it's such an it's such a bit of irony that only an ID doctor would know that level of like detail. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then the uh, MERS is a camel, so we don't know what the intermediate is okay. for um, uh, for this. So if you're tuned in, you are listening to WHIV. This is No One Matters Health is a Human Right. My name is Mark Gallandari. With me is co-host AJ Strong, and with us today visiting, uh, lucky for us, is the very lovely uh, Kelly. Burke, who's the uh, board member of WHIV, executive board member, and also treasurer of WHIV. AJ. Yeah. So, um, you know, for the last year and a half, I've been trying to get a hysterectomy. Right. And it has been very challenging. Because yeah, explain, of, explains what that's all about. Yeah, so I think, you know, I need assistance from my insurance because otherwise it costs about $11,000, which I don't have. Um Initially, I wanted to have this done because I feel like it's the next step in my transition. And also, it will allow me to be able to take less testosterone because then my body won't be like having this continual battle between the testosterone that I'm injecting and my ovaries that are like dormant right now, let's say. But if I stop taking testosterone, they would come back to life and destroy me so right. as ovaries do right so um you know not that we're ovary shaming no no not ovary shaming <laughs> okay. but they are very bossy <laughs> yes yes ovaries are incredibly yes bossy. they are yeah. <laughs> so um i would like to not have them of course anymore um the world it's hard enough as it is you know it's it there's definitely an added layer of difficulty in life when you are a man with with uh, the ovaries. Yeah. So um, anyways, moving forward, I've been trying for a year and a half. Um, I had to go through a couple different surgeons. The My insurance, which I just found out today, I already knew this because of my personal experience, but what I found out today is the type of insurance that I have is actually really bad when it comes to trans health care. They don't they don't really want to cover anything and they're always, they reject everything that I've submitted. So, um, the, the insurance denied my surgery twice. I had two surgery dates on the books and they were both canceled due to the fact that the insurance is just like, no, we're not doing this. We're not covering this. Um, and it's because I think because two things, first of all, my gender marker has been changed to male. Right. And I was going to ask about that in a mm -hmm. second. So whenever the paperwork goes across whomever's desk and they see that it's um, the patient is a male requesting a hysterectomy, I don't know if they assume it's a mistake or if they just are thinking 
men don't need hysterectomies, so this is we're not approving this. And they don't look into it any further. They don't look into it unless there's a peer-to-peer with the surgeon. Right, which a peer-to-peer essentially is when um, the insurance company denies something, and it's usually a... And and I don't use this term, you know, demeaningly, but like kind of a lower level person mm-hmm. who would like, like you're saying, sure. usually somebody who's high school slash kind of early college educated person who will see male hysterectomy. No, that doesn't work. That's not how that works. That's either a mistake or, mm-hmm. you know, there's an error there and they'll right. deny it. So then the clinician or the physician's office, in this case, the surgeon's office, would get that denial faxed back to them or sent back to them. And then what would happen in that case is then I pick up the phone and then I ask to speak to whoever the physician on call is for there. And I'm like, hey, I'm Dr. Derry. I'm um, I'm Mr. Strong's uh, physician. Just to let you know, Mr. Strong's actually a transgender male. So actually has, uh, um, has, is in need of a hysterectomy as part of his transition. Can we please get this approved? And usually that's all then the, and then usually the physician on the other side, he or she will be like, Oh yeah, well of course then they go through and they change it. Mm-hmm. And usually the reason is, is because, um, physician to physician speak the same language and right. it, they rarely ever say no. But the issue is that they know that physicians don't have the time to navigate through the very mm-hmm. archaic, uh, Medicaid or Medicare or whatever insurance company somebody has their tree to get to that person. So what you typically do is you have to get your person to the office and you're like, and what I would say is like, contact them, get me a physician for peer to peer and pull me out of the room when you get them. And usually 25 minutes later, I'm like, do, 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 you know, doing my thing, completely forgot about it, knock on the door, and they'll be like, Dr. Derry, excuse me, the physician is waiting for you. Mm-hmm. Or oftentimes they won't wait, but they'll be like, they'll give like a two minute, like, yeah, you've got two minutes to get your doctor to come back and do it. And if you miss that two minute window, they'll hang up and you got to start all over again. Wow. Essentially, remember, yeah. the whole purpose of an insurance company is to take your money. And, and not, then deny not you. Cover. Right, yeah, yeah, and deny right. you that. <laughs> right. That is the business yeah. model. So let me ask you this. If you had not, and I hate to ask this question because it could be painful, but had you not changed your gender marker, do you think that you would be in a better position now? Uh, my hysterectomy would be done. It's because, insane. Because every other trans man I know who has gone through this process and has not changed their marker is done. Right. And they started the process after me. Is it now? Which I, is super frustrating. Is, now, this may be crazy, and I don't know if this is possible. Can you change it back and then go through it again and then go back again? I don't know. I really don't know. But here's the thing. So I went in the first time, uh, you know, surgery denied, came back the next time and the office had changed my gender marker back to female without my consent, which I thought was strange, but I understood why they did it. Um, But I was just kind of like, that's maybe something you should have spoke with me about first so when i go in there i look like i do right um, a man yes very very let's just be very clear i think most people would never you do not appear i i you know you're right. very I, yeah not, i have facial hair let's just have, say that right right so so then i'm in the office and then they call for miss strong Oh, right. And I'm like, what's happening? And so then I go, and that's awkward, and I feel weird and don't understand what's happening. And then I go through this whole process all over again, and they're like, okay, we're going to resubmit it. It's going to be fine. And then it was denied again. 
And this time, I think based on they were saying that what I needed just wasn't medically necessary for whatever reason. And then so the surgeon said they were going to do peer to peer, which I, I don't know if they did or they didn't, because from that moment forward, every time I tried to get in touch with the office, um, they just wouldn't respond. Oh, that they means just that completely not, blew it right, off. Not, no, yeah. would not return my calls. My partner, Bella, actually got kind of upset about it. And she like went down there and marched into the office and wanted to speak to the surgeon. And they kind of put, brushed her off and said, oh, well, we'll have her call you and never did. So I got very discouraged. I gave up entirely um, until November. Now I'm starting to have actual issues with my reproductive system because there's a lot of atrophy that's happening. So my organs are shrinking down. It's causing a lot of pain. Um, I, for the first time started having some bleeding for the first time in six years. And that not only, uh, it's not fun for anybody who has to go through that, but, um, it really caught me off guard and put me in a very bad headspace, a very bad way mentally. Um, and so I went to go see my primary doctor at Crescent Care, whom I love, Dr. Butler. Mm-hmm. And first she said, okay, we're going to try to advocate for you a little more aggressively with this office. And she left the room and then she came back and she said, you know what? No, we're going to send you someplace else. You We're going to start over with a different doctor um, who is actually known for being more communicative and on top of it. Surgeon. Uh, Dr. Shank, Jessica Shank, a surgeon. Your yeah. surgeon. She's mm-hmm. talking about. She's not talking about giving you a new primary care. No, no, no. She's talking about putting you with a new surgeon. New surgeon, new clinic through this Tulane. Is, this is a GYN. Mm-hmm. Got it. And that's that must be another thing. Um, that must be another thing that um, just with all. And I say this respectfully about what it is to be male appearing like yourself to be going to an OBGYN office and yeah. then going in and, and well, that's what I wanted to talk to you about. I'm getting kind of long winded, but the whole experience is. You know, on one hand, I'm very thankful that the ball is rolling again. Um, And on the other hand, it can be so hard when you're sitting in the waiting room at a women's clinic with a bunch of other women. And maybe they think, you know, Bella comes with me everywhere. So maybe they think that um, I'm there to support her. But ultimately, when they call my name and I get up and go into the office and it doesn't matter what people think, but. In that moment, it's just very, very stressful. Sure. So I, I went to go to the appointment with, with Dr. Shank, who is lovely. I don't know if you know her. She's great. Um, but, you know, they ask you all of these very invasive questions. And I know that's a normal part of the process, but it is hard to talk about certain stuff um, as a trans person. and Especially to a stranger. Yeah, to a complete stranger. Um, so I did for the some whole, reason easier on the on the radio. To yeah, like, to absolutely. I'm telling everybody. Yeah, it's because they're not looking at me and they're not right. in the room with right. me, right? Um, yeah. So so I do the whole intake process. Then we get into the room, and I I think that I'm just there for a consultation to to speak with her. Uh, do you do an exam, mm-hmm. right? Then suddenly it's like, all right, well, just um, take everything off from the waist down and put this robe on, and I'm. I just lock up, you know, I don't know what to do. And so then she leaves the room and Bella's saying like, you don't have to do this, you know, it's okay. You don't have have to do it. Yeah. But I'm sitting there thinking, okay, if this has to be done, 
mind you, I've already gone through all this with the other right, office. Right, I already went right, through all this. Right. I already had an ultrasound, which was weird. Sure. Super weird and sure, uncomfortable. Sure. Um, I now have to start over. And I, and I know it has to be done to get to the next step in this process. And I'm thinking in that moment, if I don't just get it over with, then I'm going to have to make an appointment to do it. And I'm going to be stressing out about it every day up until that appointment, knowing that I have to go and do this thing. So I'm just going to do it and get it over with. But I didn't have time. It just took me, caught me off guard. So then I have to do this whole pelvic exam thing, which sucks bad. Right. For all you guys that are out there, sucks bad. And then also, please vaccinate your children for HPV because uh, girls and, and young and teenagers and young women who've been vaccinated for HPV do not have to go through and endure the issues of pelvic exams that women who have not been HPV vaccinated have to deal with. Hmm. Good side note. There you go. Yeah, so I got that over with. And so it, at and least, it was fine. so there was there. I mean, so at least you didn't have to stress about it. But even. then, uh oh. But in the same appointment, she tells me I have to have another ultrasound, which I've already had. You can't use the previous. Apparently not. And not only that, but it has to be the kind of ultrasound that is the invasive kind. Of course. It's like a, with the wand of doom that tra- I'm affectionately calling it trans, now. Transvaginal ultrasound. Yeah. So, and I was like, do. Okay, you know, I guess. So then we make this appointment. I'm stressing out about it every day until it comes. Um, I took a Valium because I was well deserved. Yeah, I took a Valium. I was I was just like gonna be chill about it and go in there and do it. So we go down there. We fill out all the paperwork. We get to the desk. You know, it seems like it's going fine. And then, can I just make a real quick point that I think most people need to understand is that. This is also potentially going to be a painful uh, procedure, more so than it would be for women who are going for pregnancy issues, or whatever, because you've been using um, uh, 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 testosterone. Because, yeah. and of course, all that does is, like you mentioned a moment ago, there's been a significant amount of atrophy, which mm-hmm. basically means that um, yeah, AJ yeah. is basically staying that the majority of his reproductive tract is this kind of shrinking in because mm-hmm. there's no estrogen to keep the area right. f- uh, lubricated or fluid or, mm-hmm. or alive, if you will. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this is also potentially going to be a somewhat uncomfortable procedure. Yeah, and uh, I could say it was. It was horrifying. Not, not a surprise. I'm um, so sorry you had to go through that. Yeah, but so I'm we so get down sorry. there. I'm, I'm completely like doped right. you know, from Valium. Bella's just like steering the ship. And, you know, there's all this stuff that happens that just doesn't happen to other people. You know, I fill everything out. They give me the wristband. Then suddenly they call me back up. There's an issue. This says you're female and your driver's license says you're male. Jesus. So now we have to have you refill out and we have to give you a new wristband and like all this kind of stuff. And, you know, sometimes people just don't want to be doing their jobs. So there's like this added sort of irritation. Like they're irritated at me because... My gender marker doesn't match what's in the records, you know, because at some point somebody changed it without my consent. And, you know, so I'm just doing I'm just trying to do what they're asking me to do, you know. Um, And then and then it comes time for the appointment. And and I'm informed that the female technician has gone home for the day and they only have a male technician there. (sighs) 
And I had a little bit of a meltdown, like internally. I didn't have it externally, but Bella, my partner, bless her heart, she can sense everything that's going on with me at any given moment. So she was like, do you want me to reschedule it? I would reschedule it. And I was going through that same thing where I'm like, if I reschedule this, I'm going to have to wait again for it to come around. And so she just made an executive decision. She was like, I'm going to reschedule it. So she did. I went to a different clinic, had it done with a woman who looked like Carrie Underwood and she was very lovely. Um, but it sucked. It was super painful. And that's my story. <sighs> Brings me to present day. Still trying to get that hysterectomy, you, but n- have not heard from my insurance. I, I, I just want to, we have like 30 seconds left. We have less than 30 seconds. We have like 20 seconds left. I just want to also say that I always share with people a story that you once told me about, you know, when you first realized that you were a, a trans male, which when you were like five or six, you recognized that you really felt like a boy. We, we have 10 seconds, but, um, how, but then when you started menstruating as a teenager, mm-hmm. how that kind of just doubled down on, on just the, the pain of growing up to be a trans male. Yeah, I felt and, like uh, my life was over. Uh, <laughs> uh, AJ strong. Thank you so much. Yeah, Kelly, you. uh, Kelly Burke. Thank you. Uh, AJ's got a show coming up at, uh, the always lounge. Uh, uh really beloved, really beloved. Thank you guys so much. Resistance radio. We'll be starting in just a moment. Thank you so much. Beat our chest. We built great big things made ungodly technical.